something which a word that often used in terms uh, or in situations where spiritual practice or religion is spoken about or practiced and sometimes uh, the defining word of um, religion that people talk about their faith that that's almost a, a synonym for their whole religious practice and experience experience and yet sometimes in uh, the Dharma teachings in the Buddhist world the world of insight meditation we sometimes don't hear it spoken of quite so much it's certainly not um, always emphasized that you have to believe in everything before you can even begin and that the mark of becoming a, a, a Buddhist doesn't mean you sort of uh, place your faith in some um, deity or belief in some rigid dogma and yet faith is an incredibly important and powerful quality which is a part of our life and a part of our spiritual practice faith is a quality which is there for us in order and before we are able to begin anything at all we couldn't actually even come into this room without a degree of faith perhaps that the ceiling would not fall upon us that uh, perhaps the person at the front wouldn't throw things at us that may seem a little light-hearted but uh, at the same time the amount of faith that is required to come to choose to spend for some people two weeks for some people a month for some people several months in silence in the solitude in this environment of challenging practice it actually requires a significant degree of faith of trust in something in a sense of what we value and a willingness to put that understanding of what we value into practice in our lives and the question of faith really is not do we have faith because actually as I said we must have faith to do anything to step through a doorway to put a fork full of food in our mouth we must have some faith that it will be for our well-being that it will not cause us harm and yet really what the question is is what do we put our faith in what do we put our faith in and perhaps the the question asked in the context of insight meditation and this practice that we're engaging here together is do we wish to continue to put our faith in our unconscious and unexamined tendencies towards grasping towards aversion towards confusion and of course we might be quite clear in ourselves that that's not our wish that's not what we wish to put faith in that we see perhaps quite clearly that wisdom compassion that the cultivating of kindness and understanding these are things that we put our faith in these are qualities of heart amongst others which we actually trust in and which we engage with in our practice here and much of the the quality of faith is about understanding clearly what we will use to guide our actions because it is faith that enables us to act enables us to do anything as I've said and so what will determine the way we act what will determine the choices that we make it is wisdom but wisdom coupled with faith that enables us to act upon it and so in the traditional um, teachings we, we see the five spiritual faculties of faith energy and effort mindfulness or practice we could call it here concentration unifying the mind and the development of wisdom and understanding the five spiritual faculties the qualities of a human being which we can cultivate and deepen 
and that faith stands as the first of these. This is the beginning point. It's from faith that we actually allow ourselves to engage with our practice, that we actually generate the motivation to come here, to stay here. And at times when it's difficult, we need to reconnect with that. When our mind starts to wonder, what am I doing here? There's perhaps a quiet voice behind that sceptical doubt, behind that agitation that just knows that one is here because it is of value and importance to oneself and to others. And that quiet voice of faith sustains us, sustains us in our applying ourselves to our practice, sustains us in making the effort and bringing the energy that it does require to be present, simply that, to see clearly what is occurring, to be with it, to understand where we get caught in patterns and tendencies of holding, of grasping after, of pushing away, or of just simply disconnecting and spacing out. We need to bring energy to this because the habit of the mind is so strong at times that we get caught up in it. And from that energy, that application that comes as a result of our faith, when we apply ourselves, apply our faith in that way into our practice, then quite naturally a degree of mindfulness begins to emerge. And at times we may doubt that it's happening at all. We may merely seem to be discovering exactly how mindless we are and exactly how frequently we become lost. And yet even that discovery, we're starting to see more clearly what's happening. And we're deepening our capacity to be present. And with that deepening of capacity to be present, that strengthening of mindfulness, then the fourth of the spiritual faculties, concentration or the unification of our mind, which isn't just that we can attend to a particular object unwaveringly, observing the breath without a flicker of distraction for hours on end, or observing a sensation in our knee, despite the fact that it seems it's going to kill us and staying with it forever. Concentration is also the quality of unification of mind, where we have a sense of our mind being not so fragmented, where it's not being pulled in all sorts of different directions in a way that feels that there is conflict, that there is fragmentation, so that there may be a, a concentration where we're focused on a particular, such as the breath, such as a sound. There's also the concentration that's more fluid, where the mind is unified in its attention, so the object of the attention, the different experiences are changing. And yet th the distinguishing feature of that is that sense of not being fragmented, that we're not pulled this way and pushed that way, but that we're actually more able to rest in the steadiness of observing and seeing the different experiences, the sights and the sounds, the thoughts and the emotions that move through us. And so that, that, that steadiness, that ability to see what's going on from a place of balance and a unification of mind, a concentration. It's in that place that we really connect with our potential for deepening and understanding, for seeing clearly what is actually occurring, for understanding what we need to attend to and what we need to address in our lives, and equally for understanding what is occurring in each moment, in each experience, which is revealed to us when we rest in observing it that we start to understand the truth of change, the truth of suffering when we grasp at things which change, and the truth of the empty, emptiness of any individual who is behind the process. We start to understand this more clearly, and in understanding that, we actually deepen our faith. We actually start to trust even more fully in the practice. 
we start to trust more fully in the value of making that effort to come back when sometimes what we really want to do is have a cup of tea go for a long walk and possibly see if we happen to accidentally go past the shop that sometimes we're drawn out and perhaps you don't know where the shop is so I won't elaborate on that um, mindset or that, that train of thinking but we can see how we get drawn out and yet the more we actually act from that place of faith we see the whole cycle of faith of energy and effort of mindfulness the steadiness of our practice the consistency of our practice the deepening of concentration and unifying the mind and from that the wisdom the understanding which is in itself freeing and liberating which is for our well-being and the well-being of others and that brings with it quite naturally compassion and again back to the faith so that's that's sort of the place of faith and practice and a very significant one both in the initiation of practice and in coming here and in the sustaining of it through your time here through each sitting through each moment through each day and the weeks and months and in this way faith acts as something of a balance and a a support to wisdom but faith without wisdom very easily becomes blind faith and sometimes we see this in the fundamentalism and the dogmatism that we experience perhaps in ourselves perhaps in others when there's a grasping hold of an idea or a belief system and yet faith together with wisdom suggests that the faith is based on our experience it's not based on a conceptual thing it's not based on an idea we have or someone else told us or that we read in a book it's actually grounded in our own experience and that's a a faith that actually has depth to it that has power to it and at the same time if we merely have wisdom and don't have faith then although we might understand all about emptiness we might all might understand clearly the importance of letting go but if we don't have the faith to put that into practice it's of no value to us it doesn't actually contribute to our well-being it's not actually liberating unless we put our wisdom into practice unless we apply what we learn as we look at our life and it's faith that links with the wisdom to enable us to live in the spirit of our understanding and freedom is wisdom that is lived wisdom that is manifest in our life one could say and sometimes it's helpful just to reflect on that quality when we are experiencing difficulty when the the mind is challenged as it sometimes is by difficult uh, emotions tendency to get lost and scattered and perhaps after a few days of practice the initial sort of energy and enthusiasm isn't quite as consistent as it was on day one and two and we realize there are points where we actually have to in a way reconnect with our motivation reconnect with our faith and our trust in what we're doing and that the times when there are difficult experiences perhaps significant pain in your body or the uncomfortableness of a mind that's caught in restlessness or aversion or grasping or confusion and the discomfort that we experience in that the difficulty to be with it often we find we can find support just through stopping and reflecting on why am i doing this 
And of course we hear the question sometimes in, a, my mind, in our mind, what on earth am I doing here? And it can sometimes disempower us. It can sometimes, in a way, disconnect us from our practice because we're identifying with it, we're believing it in the form of doubt. And yet, there's a quality of faith we can bring that just says, in a quiet but steady way, oh yes, this is part of what I'm here to meet, this is part of what I'm here to attend to, and this is something from which I can learn. And so, often, faith is what enables us and gives us the potency, the power, to stay present in the face of fear, in the face of difficulty, resistance and aversion. That often what occurs when things are difficult is that we find our mind, and particularly with regard to fear, we find our mind pushed into the future. It might be mild anxiety, it may be full-blown fear and terror about what is going to happen, what may happen, what may not happen. And we can sometimes find anxiety arising or fear, terror even, as I said. Now, there's a sense of looking for relief from it, looking for the end of it. And yet often if we get caught in it, we just reproduce it by thinking more and more on it. And yet faith, when we connect with it, it asks us to do what is possible now and then let go. It asks us to live now because as far as the future, we don't know, we're not in control. And if we're not to be anxious about the future, then we must rest in a place of trust, in a place of faith with regard to it. So actually letting go and coming into the present is an act of faith. Every moment you let go of the mind that wants to plan tomorrow lunchtime or your next business venture or relationship, every moment you let go of that, you're making a statement in your practice of faith in the present moment, of faith in the possibilities of what is right now, and trusting that the future when it comes can be met from that same place of faith in the present moment. So faith gives us the power to act in the face of fear. It actually has the quality of courage to it. And I remember once having a, a wonderful discussion with a, a friend, a spiritual practitioner of many years and many traditions and she was assuring me she had no faith at all. She was totally bereft of faith and she felt a real problem in that but that's what her experience was. And yet it was very clear to me that she was regularly engaging with things that were challenging and scary to her with immense courage and integrity. And it was very interesting that when I said that courage was much the same thing expressed in our action and our life she actually connected with that. And sometimes one might just check in with oneself to see that is it the case that although maybe we don't feel like we have a lot of faith when we're in the grip of fear or anxiety, when the mind is overwhelmed by it, it maybe doesn't feel like faith. It's not that nice warm ah sort of that we might associate with that some sense of unthreatened trust. But if we're willing to not be coerced by the fear, if we're not at its mercy, which means we're willing to be with it, to see it that it's there, not have to believe its story, not have to believe in the truth of it or the sense of it as our personal possession, then actually it's an expression of courage. And as I think has been said before, I'm not quite sure of the exact words, that in a way courage is not the absence of fear, but the willing to act in the face of it. And it's faith. 
equally as courage that enables us to act in the face of fear that enables us to actually stay present in the midst of the challenging experience when part of our whole being might be screaming get me out of here get me to the next distraction and yet we're staying present and equally those times when we do get carried away and lost when we realize that's happening faith that recognizes that oh let me just come back now equally trusting and being present And so together with that, however, it's important to understand that faith it's, that, it's a, way, a quality that responds to when we experience doubt, when we experience fear, and the kind of sceptical doubt or undermining doubt that stops us from acting. That often when we're not sure which way to go, we're in the grip of doubt, that perhaps we're wondering, should I be attending to my breath, should I be attending to the pain in my knee, to the sound of the breeze, should I sit for one hour, two hours, three hours, what shall I do? Whatever the story might be, sometimes it paralyzes us. We, we don't know, we're, we're sort of lost. And that's a form of doubt which we need to recognize very clearly. We need to be able to identify that as the doubt which paralyzes us, which prevents us from acting and which generally is pointing to our mind being contracted around, identified with or in the grip of fear. And so, as I was speaking then again, the bringing of faith and courage in that situation to make a choice, even if one doesn't know, should it be my breath, should it be my knee, perhaps it's okay either way. One hour, two hour, 30 minutes for sitting, perhaps it will be fine either way. Or perhaps by exploring the possibilities one will learn, and this is very much our practice, that we try this way, learn from it. If it's appropriate, follow it. If it doesn't seem to be useful, the next time we'll know better. And there's a second quality of faith that's relating to a different sort of doubt. The, the faith that helps us meet sceptical doubt or undermining doubt that blocks us. And there's also the faith that enables us actually to question deeply what is going on. And so faith is not in itself opposed to the form of doubt which enables us to take nothing for granted which enables us to inquire deeply into our experience, into our life, into each moment in which we are present. And that very inquiry is actually fueled by a faith that enables us to let go of our sense of knowing what is happening, of our sense of trying to control what is happening, or of trying to predict what will happen next. It's actually faith that enables us to open into doubt, the deep spiritual doubt, the profound doubt of really inquiring, of really questioning, what am I doing here? It's a serious question. And not one that actually disconnects us from our practice, but one that can really take us deeply into it, when it has that willingness with it to explore, when there's the faith in being able to enter into the unknown, that trusts that it's okay to do this, that it will serve our well-being to do this in fact even in the face of the discomfort that it may produce as Thomas Merton once said faith is not the suppression of doubt but the overcoming of it 
And you only overcome doubt by going through it. So that faith actually enables us to go through doubt. Whether it be the the doubt of the sceptical undermining side or actually the doubting of deep inquiry. It's actually faith that enables us to get through it. Now, something else that's occasionally raised, I think, is a concern with regard to how faith is expressed or used, and often in um, spiritual circles, one sort of has a sense of the um, sort of the rather the grand faith of it's all okay, I don't have to do anything, you know, God is in charge, or the Dharma will do it for me, and there's a sort of a, a faith in which um, we abdicate our responsibility, we abdicate abdicate our personal involvement in the process, and. Um, we do need to find a balance. But faith doesn't mean that we become passive. It doesn't mean that we're just sitting waiting for it to happen. Nor does it mean that we're actually going out there sort of trying to force it to happen. And we need to find and steer a, a delicate balance between these two. So there's the, um, the wonderful Sufi saying, the Islamic mystic tradition, which goes basically, trust in Allah, but tie your camel. And so to have a sense of faith, and yet to do what one can to take care of one's situation. To not be lost in anxiety about one's camel being stolen, trust in Allah, but it doesn't mean leave it just sitting outside the door and let it walk off. And so with our practice, with faith, we're asked to act and then let go. We're asked to come into this moment and then open to just what it is. Whatever that might be, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, expected or unexpected, whether we know and understand it or we're totally bemused and confused by it, we're asked to come into this moment and stay there. And of course, come back again and again as the process of our practice. And so there's a couple of stories which I think illustrate both these aspects and um, the first is I'll try and tell rather briefly um, the story and perhaps some of you heard it's not probably that often quoted in spiritual um, circles because I think it's sort of more in the, um, uh, the pub joke circuit but maybe not um, there's a story I heard anyway of a, a man who um, during a flood um, saw the rain starting to, to build up to the level of his house and he thought ah I'm a devout believer in God God will save me and so uh, a boat came along and uh, said jump into our boat you'll drown and he says no no God will save me the water got higher he went up to the second floor of the house and as he was standing there looking out the window a motorboat came past and said jump in we'll save you and no no God will save me so he stood there and the water kept rising and he got onto the roof and just as the water was coming up to the roof, the helicopter came past and said, slung down a rope ladder and said, climb up, we'll save you. And the man said, no, no, God will save me. And uh, so the uh, water kept rising and the man died. He appeared in front of God in heaven and he, he went straight up to God and said, God, I, I believed in you, I had such deep faith. I don't understand, what happened? And God said, 
I don't understand either. I think two boats and a helicopter. And so there's a way in which the, the trusting in life, whether we relate to a sense of God, whether we relate to a sense of the benevolence of the universe or just the lawfulness of things, however we connect with that sense, there's a trusting in that. And yet there's equally a making use of the opportunity. The opportunity to be present, the opportunity to practice, that this has been offered. And yet we need to meet it, we need to engage with it. And we do in coming here and coming to listen to teachings and attending to one's experience, standing in the dinner queue or waiting to wash up. And so that's where the faith brings us to act, to move, to engage. And then there's the side where we need to look at the balance, where when we've done what we can, when we've actually done our part, so to speak, we have to let go. We have to then be willing to rest. And sometimes when we're a little bit hard on ourselves, and perhaps for some of us it's one of the familiar tendencies, when we tend to push ourselves too hard, when we feel that somehow I have to make this happen, and the sense of personal responsibility, if it's not happening the way I think it should, and that's usually the case for most of us, um, given the nature of what we think and reality. Um, but there's that sense, we're sometimes really quite hard on ourselves. And if we find ourselves making too much of an effort, it could be that we need to just look and see, am I going too far here? Am I pushing beyond the part that I can do, which is in a way tying the camel into the place of trying to do Allah's work as well. And to illustrate that, another story. And this is the story of Frog's garden. One day Frog came to visit his um, friend Toad in the morning and Toad said, hello Frog, I have something to show you. And Frog was very excited. Oh please, please, said Frog. So Toad took him to the um, the garden at the back of his house and there was a beautiful garden with lovely flowers of different colours and shapes and shades rather beautifully growing in the sun and Frog said oh that's lovely Toad you know I wish I had a garden like that and Toad said well you can but it's a lot of hard work here are some seeds take them cultivate the ground and plant them and then you too can have a garden but it is a lot of work the frog, very excited, ran home to his garden and dug up a patch of grass and made the soil nice and soft and took out the stones and the weeds. He planted the seeds and gently put the earth back over them, watered the patch a little bit, and he sat down to look at the plot of ground. And after a few minutes, nothing had happened. So he whispered rather gently, Seeds, it's all right to start to grow now and uh, nothing happened. So, a little while later, he spoke a bit loudly. Seeds, start to grow now. And nothing happened. And he was getting a little frustrated at this point and shouted, Seeds, grow now! And at this point, Toad came running down the path. What's all that noise? said Toad. I'm just trying to get my seeds to grow, said Frog. But you can't get your seeds to grow by shouting at them, said Toad. You'll scare them. They're probably frightened. And to Frog looked rather crestfallen. Oh, 
I didn't know you could frighten your seeds, he said. Sorry. So he sat down by the garden and still nothing happened and he thought, gosh, I must have really frightened my seeds. They're not growing. So he remembered when he was a, a young tadpole, his mother used to tell him stories when he was frightened. So he thought, maybe that will work for my seeds. And he spent the rest of the day telling stories to his seeds and nothing happened. So at night he sang songs to his seeds and still nothing happened. In the morning he continued dancing for his seeds and nothing happened and he was getting so tired. But again that night he read poems to his seeds because they still hadn't grown. And then that morning nothing could be seen. Frog was exhausted, absolutely and utterly exhausted. These must be the most frightened seeds ever, he said, and collapsed asleep. And as he slept, the rain fell gently on the ground and the sun shone. And in the late afternoon, Toad walking down the, towards Frog's house called out, Frog, wake up, wake up. Look what has happened. And as Frog woke up, he saw the small green shoots breaking through the earth. Now you will have a beautiful garden too, said Toad. And Frog replied, yes, but you were right, Toad. It was a lot of hard work. And so, reflecting on the story, we might look at our practice from the point of view of cultivating the ground, of actually preparing the soil, the conditions for the flowering of the seeds of our practice and that the work of being present the work of coming back every time and there will be many of them when we get lost the work of recommitting when we lose that sense of connection and trust and faith in what we're doing the, the work when sometimes we're just drowsy and we just we can wave our arms around we can stand up, sit down, shake our head do a mantra and we're still drowsy and we just have to be with it, it's drowsing us. But that work of just staying with it, of coming back, whatever it might be, that's really our practice of cultivating the soil, of preparing the conditions, the environment, in which the seeds that are already within us, the seeds of wisdom and compassion, of kindness and understanding, in which they can grow, which they can take root and flower and bear fruit in our lives. So when we find ourselves struggling to produce a particular result, when we've gone beyond actually just staying present, staying connected with what's happening, but we're actually evaluating it against some model of what should be happening and perhaps being hard on ourselves because it's not happening or hard on someone else because it's not happening because they're making a noise or because the teachings aren't the right teachings or the house is the wrong house, we might just stop and wonder if we're pushing ourselves too hard, if we're being hard on someone else or something else, that maybe we need to connect with that sense of faith again that just allows us to do what we do, which is the simple practice of being present, of remembering to be awake, of learning what it means to open our heart to just this moment, to just this experience, one at a time, again and again. And that is our work. What happens, what we experience, whether it's pleasurable or painful, exciting, mundane, or um, anything else, 
this in a way is not in our control and the quality of faith we bring is what allows us to let go of that tendency to want to have it in control the tendency to try and make it happen in a certain way and as we do that, as we deepen in that capacity we start to really have a sense of faith in our practice we start to really have a sense in the, the possibility, the real possibility of the cultivation of what is beneficial and wholesome of wisdom and kindness of generosity and resolve of courage and we, we start to trust that we're able to let go of the harmful, the undermining and the painful tendencies and patterns that sometimes overwhelm us we start to see that we can find freedom in the face of fear or spaciousness in the face of contraction or fragmentation we start to learn this is possible for us simply through being present and we really start to deepen our connection to the practice in this way the Buddha once said if it were not possible for you to do this I would not ask you to do it now if it were not possible for you to cultivate the wholesome and beneficial and to free yourself from, to let go the unwholesome, the harmful and the unbeneficial I would not ask you to do this now when we hear it we might take it on perhaps rather a surface level of faith oh, he sounds like a reasonable guy, it sounds like a nice idea seems like some other people think that that's pretty much the way it is so I'll give it a go and we have a sort of surface level of faith more an intellectual level but as we practice, as we engage and we actually see that this is true as we see that this is real in our experience then we can actually come from a much more powerful place of faith and that's deepened each time and every moment in which we go through this process of being challenged and being steady in the face of it of staying with our practice and seeing its fruits as they benefit, as they manifest us we start to trust not only in the power of our practice but also in ourselves in our own capacity to do the practice, to stay with it we start to have faith in our own capacity to be present in the face of difficulties equally in our capacity to be present without becoming lost or entranced by those things which are pleasurable and equally we need to attend to this we sometimes think we have to work more in the area where the difficult seems to overwhelm us and at times undermine what we're doing and yet equally as that is important we equally need to attend to when things are going well to see if we're somehow getting identified with it. we're starting to think wow this is really great or I like this I want more and we start to make our retreat into a, a somewhat more spiritual attempt to accumulate pleasurable experience which really isn't what we're here for and so the, the faith that's there starts to, to speak to us that what we need to attend to what we need to be looking for is here with us is present already in what is occurring in us and around us that we don't need to look outside of ourselves we don't need to look outside of this moment for what is profoundly revealing and truly liberating that we see it becomes actually possible for us even perhaps briefly to begin with but at times to rest in observing the flow of experience in just seeing what occurs as being just 
seeing what occurs. That's all. And we don't have to control it, we don't have to manipulate it, we don't have to organize it to be the way we want it or the way we think it should be. We understand that those models are really the old conditioning which doesn't have to have the authority in our life that we may have once given it. That those tendencies to want to control and manipulate, to get it to have the perfect practice, to have the perfect sitting, to walk just so that everyone knows that we're mindful in every moment, whatever it might be, that we see we don't attach to that either, but that we just find our, in a way, the, the depth of our practice and the, the quality, the peace and the ease with which we connect with each moment, with each experience, which we connect to the present moment without placing a demand on the experience or ourselves. And when we notice that that's occurring, we don't judge ourselves, we're not critical of ourselves or harsh on ourselves for doing it, we just acknowledge it as being part of what is happening without having to identify with it, without having to continue it, and yet not having to believe in what it's saying to us, not having to believe that we really are supposed to be doing it differently. And then, what really happens for us, I think, is that the quality of faith is something that really deepens and nourishes each moment for us. It's what allows us to really let go into our practice, into the moment. And we understand, as we do this, that freedom comes from letting go. But if we're able to let go a little, we experience a little freedom. If we're able to let go a lot, we experience a lot of freedom. And if we can let go completely, complete freedom is there. And it's the faith in each moment that allows us to let go, that allows us to let go into the freedom that is there when we do so. Perhaps we could just sit quietly for a minute or two. May all beings live with wisdom. May all beings live with faith. May all beings let go into freedom. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.